Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, before the show starts, I completely forgot uh, to mention Dale, uh, the gentleman I mentioned last week. He has a show, two shows. One's called Making Tracks. The other one's called The Climate Report. I mentioned it last week on the show, but I forgot to put uh, a link in the show notes. So I'm going to do that this week. I do want you to know that he uploaded a bunch of episodes this week. Um, A lot of the Climate Report episodes have to do with Sacramento, but Sacramento's on the cutting edge of, of curbing climate change. Uh, so it's it's well worth listening to if you just kind of want to get a better idea um, of what's going on out there in a positive way. And then the Making Tracks show uh, is kind of more universal. I highly suggest taking uh, a listen. Like I said, I'll put the sh- link in the show notes. Um, Dale has said that he's going to do a IP the the uh, a show on the IPPC report because, like I said. Last week, he understands this stuff way more than than I do, and I kind of, because I didn't talk to him before, I kind of twisted his arm a little bit by just announcing it on the show, so I apologize for that. Um, I didn't realize I did that until after, Um, but he didn't seem to mind. But um, he's going to talk about that climate change report uh, by those 91 scientists or whatever it was, uh, some point on his show, and when he does, he'll let me know, and then I will let you folks know if you are interested And one final thing before we start the show, if you have a project that you would like me to talk about on the show, um, and it kind of has something to do with this show, I am more than happy to get the word out. So you just email me, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. And uh, like I said, if if it falls within this, the realm of this show, even if it doesn't, we could probably make an exception. And it's it's kid friendly because I try to make this a kid friendly show as much as possible. Although the topic is really boring for children, I try to keep it kid friendly so people can listen uh, to the show in their cars with their kids in the back seat. So anyway, without further ado, let's start the music. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host. And we're going to jump right into the show because there's lots of stuff to talk about today. Uh, the things that I like is a podcast. It's an NPR podcast called Hidden Brain. 
and it talks about the first episode on listen to two. The first episode talks kind of about the differences between Democrats and Republicans and kind of how growing up shapes their ideology. And the other one was kind of better understanding uh, one another more politically uh, so that we don't have this kind of resentment that we're not being represented uh, that we have now because people on both sides don't think they're being represented properly. And that's kind of causing rifts and causing the situation that we have now. So it's really good to listen to. I highly suggest it. Great for both sides of the aisle. Next up, uh, I want to thank our Patreon supporters. Dale became a Patreon supporter today. Not today, this week. So, Dale, thank you very much. Uh, Dale's a longtime listener and a very important contributor to the show, so I appreciate you doing that. Um, It means a lot. If you want to become a Patreon supporter, too, you can go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt and support the show. And if we get to 10 monthly subscribers, I'm going to give away a Tesla desk charger. It's in the, you can charge your phone. It's in the shape of a supercharger. It sits on your desk. You can charge an Android phone or an iPhone. So you're set either way. Okay, let's start the show. In the kilobits section, uh, Jaguar, this is from Fred Lambert, Jaguar started delivering its electric SUV I-Pace to the United States. Uh, They kind of had a little bit of a delay, and I don't think they're delivering many of them, but they've started. Next up, still from Fred Lambert, uh, the Workhorse Plug-In W15 work van or delivery truck is starting production. Uh, it's called the Engine 1000. It's going to have a range of 100 miles on a single charge. It's got a 6,000-pound carrying capacity, four cargo sizes, 250, 450, 700, and 1,000 cubic feet. UPS has ordered 1,000 of these for its fleet, so I'm kind of hoping that I see a couple driving around my neighborhood sometime soon. Uh, that would be really cool. Um, and a good start. You might know Workhorse because they had the plug-in electric W15 work truck, pickup truck. It's a great look. Uh, good company. I'm glad they're succeeding, or at least I'm glad they're getting to the production point. Uh, next up, Tesla Roddy, and this is from somebody called Spudley. Gigafactory 3 in China will be funded by loans from Shanghai banks. We talked about in the past and it's been mentioned a lot on the Talking Head shows. Who's going to give Tesla money? They haven't made any money. Elon's gone and uh, off the rails and caused all these problems with his tweets. Nobody's going to give Tesla money, blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out Shanghai banks, they're going to go ahead and fit the bill. Tesla is acquiring uh, a plot of land that is 800,064, 885 square meters, or 213 acres if you live in the U.S. or some other place that deals with acres. Um, the cost of the, the land is about $140 million, which kind of seems cheap. But what do I know? Um, next up, Fred Lambert, Atlas Motors. This is a company we've talked about in the past. They're an Arizona um, startup. They're building an electric truck in Mesa, Arizona, which is just down the road from me. And they claim to be able to fully charge their prototype battery pack in 12 minutes and 35 seconds. Now, keep in mind, the prototype's only uh, 3 kilowatt 
hours, so it's a really small battery pack. But according to Mark Hanchett, um, he says, we have compiled preliminary testing of our prototype battery pack with fast charging capabilities, and we're proud to announce that we did better than expected. We beat our charge time by 2 minutes and 25 seconds by charging a 3 kilowatt hour battery pack to full in 12 minutes and 35 seconds. This was key to proving our technology. Recharge times for batteries is still one of the largest obstacles to wider adoption of electric vehicles. Now, I don't know what kind of magic they're doing, but um, they're they're a small company. I've actually uh, exchanged emails with Mr. Hanchet, and he seems like a very nice man, and um, so I'm hoping that they succeed. But he also says that this achievement is scalable, the battery pack, this is his words, the battery pack is part of the Atlas prototype design and is capable of scaling in size to meet their customers' performance needs. The capability of the test pack had to be kept, the capacity, excuse me, of the test pack had to be kept low to ensure enough power was available from the level three DC chargers. Next step for the prototype pack is to integrate the design, this design concept into Atlas motor vehicles. Uh, XP platform is currently in development. So if you don't know, Atlas Motors is building this beautiful pickup truck, the Atlas XT, but they're also building a a platform, the XP platform, that they can um, sell to other OEMs, kind of like VW has the MEB platform, but VW, you know, they're keeping that platform in-house in the VW group, where Atlas is saying, we're going to... Uh, sell this platform to anybody who wants to build a car on top of it or a truck on top of it, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and right now they're crowdfunding, uh, trying to get a million dollars. They're about halfway there. And like I said, I've exchanged emails and with this guy and he's really, really nice. And, uh, I hope they do well. And we have more to talk about in the future with them. Uh, green car reports, Eric Everts, uh, Some of these are really quick. This isn't one of those quick ones. A judge has approved the Tesla SEC settlement. So we talked about in the past how Elon might have derailed that, but the judge has said, nope, this is fine. We're good. And along those same lines, Fred Lambert is reporting that Elon has to, well, he doesn't have to. He's buying $20 million of Tesla stock. And the rumor is it's to set off the, uh, to offset the SEC fund fine that Tesla had to pay. So Elon had to pay $20 million, and then Tesla had to pay $20 million. And the rumor is, is this $20 million, or the assumption is, is this $20 million is going to offset the $20 million that Tesla had to pay, which I think is fair. Also a very expensive personal fine if you really get down in the weeds about it. Next up, Simon Alvarez. You can probably tell I have a little bit of a cold, and so I'm rushing through this so that uh, my voice doesn't go before the end of the show. So sorry if it sounds rushed. Simon Alvarez of Teslarati. So Tesla owners who put their faith in Elon and Tesla and purchased the full self-driving options for their vehicles will get free, a free hardware three upgrade. According to Elon, I think that this is 100% the right thing to do. So uh, I think that's great, and it might be a loss, you know, probably going to be a loss for Tesla to do this, but 
it's super important to keep those customers happy um, because they paid for something and it should work. The new Hardware 3 chip will be available in new production cars in around six months. No word when they're going to start rolling that out to current customers, though. Or at least no word that I could find. Uh, Fred Lambert, again, Tesla uh, Electric. Okay, so currently there are three bills in the United States legislature legislature um, that have to do with the federal tax credit, the $7,500 tax credit. So we talked about a bill last week that went in the tax credit altogether and add a highway user fee, which is basically a tax. Which I have to say, I, w- I was corrected on this, um, of only about half of the highway projects is funded from the gas tax or the fuel tax. I said a major portion, and I think half is probably still significant, but it's not a major portion. I was thinking it was closer to 75 or 80%, but not the case. So, um, and I think Dale told me that or somebody else. But anyway, um, I need to make that correction. Anyway, um, and we talked about this a little bit last week too, another bill which was Democrat-sponsored in Congress it would remove the delivery cap of 200000 and replace it with a deadline, like a 10-year deadline, like in 2028. Um, but now, Republican-centered senator, he's a Nevada senator, a place that Tesla does business with and Faraday Future failed to do business with, Dean Haler, Heller, Senator Heller, has introduced a bill that would get rid of the 200000 uh, car limit, vehicle limit, and phase out the credit for the entire industry by 2022 or in 2022. Ultimately, I think this is a, uh, a fair bill and it's probably a good way to, um, to handle this situation. And that gives a lot more people an opportunity that are sitting on the waiting list for a model three to get that $7,500. I know quite a few people who listen to this show are waiting for that who live in the United States um, they're waiting for the standard battery configuration to be an, uh, announced and, and sold. So once those people are taken care of, um, you know, 2022, that seems like that list, even though the government isn't obligated to make sure that every Tesla reservation holder buys a car, I think that that's a fair date to kind of give the industry a little bit of a jump start. Um, I would like to see the deadline actually be set to 2025. It just seems like a nice round number, but you know, 2022, I'm not going to, not going to argue. Um, as a complete and total side note, a neighbor of mine, like three houses down or so, he bought this beautiful gray, uh, model three. And, uh, I don't want to be a creeper, I really want to talk to him. So if you live in Tempe, you have a beautiful gray Model 3, and you listen to this show, I'm probably your neighbor. Reach out to me, Bodie at uh, 918digital.com, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital. I want to be your friend. Moving on, this next one's from Fred Lambert. Tesla, excuse me, as my voice is going, Tesla is fixing major gaps in service coverage. So they're going to do a major expansion of the service centers. 
kind of F1 inspired fast lanes. And I think we've talked about that in the past, but Elon tweeted just reviewed Tesla's service locations in North America and realized we have major gaps in geographic coverage. Sorry for this foolish oversight. Tesla will aim to cover all regions of North America, not just big cities within the next three to six months, which is hugely important if you're going to start selling all these model threes. Um, and then all the people that have obviously already own Tesla cars and live in areas that aren't covered, they would really like to get that taken care of so that they can get the car serviced. Makes sense. All right. This was, um, I was talking to James over Slack, a Patreon supporter, uh, that, and we were talking about a couple of different things, but he mentioned that uh, there was a mid-range, ba- mid- excuse me, mid-range battery pack for the Model 3, and I had no idea because I hadn't. I was just sitting down to prepare for the show last night, and I hadn't even opened up the news app to, to look into that. Uh, it took me by surprise, but yesterday Tesla launched a new configuration and pricing structure for the Model 3, and it makes a lot more sense. So the new uh, battery pack, so you have the long-range battery pack, and now you have the mid-range battery pack, which starts at $45,000, still on the expensive side, and apparently is already available in Canada. The mid-range has a 260-mile range. Um, it's the only uh, version of the car that will be available with rear the rear-wheel drive option. I'm sure the standard will also be available with rear-wheel drive. Rear, <laughs> I'm having a hard time with that. Rear-wheel drive option. Um but it's not out yet. The dual motor uh, all-wheel drivetrain, uh, it will be an extra $5,000 if you want that. You have the choice between white and black interior, which is you know standard for the other cars. Tesla's statement on this matter is, as Model 3 production and sales continue to grow rapidly, we've achieved a steady volume in manufacturing capacity allowing us to diversify our product offering to even more customers. Our new mid-range, mid-range battery is being introduced this week in the U.S. and Canada to better meet varying range needs of many of the, of, of the many customers eager to own Model 3 and our own estimate for customers who have ordered the standard battery is 46 months. 46 months about the time frame that I predicted. Um, that'd be between February and April as I read this. Um, but I like, I like Tesla um, trying new things and making the pricing easier to understand. However, they change things so often. I would like them to stay a little bit more consistent, at least for a little while. Um, but, you know, it's a process that they're figuring out. And as it matures, I'm sure that it will become more consistent, just like the Model S and Model X, although those things sometimes change too. But uh, overall, um, very exciting. So I'm going to take a quick drink here of uh, something to lubricate my throat, not alcohol. And uh, I'm going to finish up with the news, but I'm, I feel like I'm losing my voice here. So one second. Okay, so the news section. This first news or article is from Clean Technica, Kyle Field. The Renault Group, the automaker, 
is trying to build Europe's largest storage system with a combination of used and new EV batteries, which is a brilliant idea since Tesla uses a modified EV battery in its power wall. I think they use different batteries in their power packs because I think they source, they can source batteries from obviously LG, um, Panasonic and Samsung are the biggest and they have a contract or a partnership with Samsung, but or excuse me, uh, Panasonic, but, um, they've said in the past that they've used other battery manufacturers for the power packs. But anyway, it makes sense uh, to do this. Their goal is to have this up and running by 2020. Um, the installations will be across Germany and France in area where renew in areas where renewable energy is plentiful. Uh, the Renault Group's Advanced Battery System (ABS) that's what they're calling it is part of their comprehensive strategy to support smart electrical ecosystem. Marketing talk, marketing talk, marketing talk. Overall, I think this is a good idea. Um, the ABS will be used to store renewable energy until it's needed. Um, that energy will be available, uh, instantly. So let's see here. I think I had that written down somewhere. Maybe I didn't. Um, but basically this is kind of, it seems to me, and maybe I'm reading this article wrong. Oh, wait, the, yeah. So, okay. So the ABS can generate or absorb 70 megawatts instantaneously. Um, so I'm sure they're going to use this like a peaker plant. So instead of fossil fuels powering, when the demand is high, they will turn on these battery packs and you don't have to fire up those generators that are burning, uh, pollution emitting fuels. They just, you just charge up this battery pack and you're good to go. Um, but it's also a great way for them to make a little bit extra money. Cause if you look at the power, um, installations, the battery installations that they have in Australia, the, the companies that Tesla installed those for are making a nice bit of profit back. And before too long, they're actually going to make their money back and then they will have a profit. So I guess I shouldn't say they're making a nice bit of profit back. They're not making a nice bit of money and soon they'll be profitable. How about that? So I thought that was really, really interesting and a great way to use used, um, a great way to recycle used batteries for sure. Everybody talks about putting it into uh, something like this, but this is the first time I've seen an actual plan and uh, a, a reason to do it. So, okay. Last story, which is not really a story. It's from me and kind of by CNBC, but mostly by me. Blow this up here. Okay. So, as everybody, I'm sure, that listens to this program knows, Saudi Arabia's been in the news a lot lately, and not in a good way. Uh, the crown prince has been accused of ordering the killing of a journalist at a Saudi embassy in Turkey. Um, so, I'm not here to talk about that, although that is terrible. What I'm here to talk about is what happens to the companies that this... Um, fund, which is the public investment fund for Saudi Arabia, what happens to the companies that, that they 
they invested in, particularly companies that operate in America, um, just because I'm going to use America as an example because we have a culture of, of outrage and uh, then we move on to be outraged about something else. So um, the PIF invests in many different companies, not just these companies, but I use these ones as, as an example. And I got this from their website. So they've invested in Uber. They've invest, invested in SoftBank. Now, if you don't know, SoftBank is kind of this large conglomerate. They own Sprint, which is a phone network or a wireless company. Um, Arm, a lot of Arm's kind of like a, it's a chip fab. So uh, the processor in the iPhone, iPads, and a bunch of other things are Arm chips. Um, Foxconn, they build a lot of electronics, including the iPhones and MacBooks and a bunch of other things. I think they have some contracts with Dell and a bunch of other places. And Alibaba, Alibaba is not really um, U.S.-centric, but they do have a presence here. And, of course, a lot more. So I'm, I'm, you have Uber, you have SoftBank, you have Tesla. This wasn't listed on the site, but uh, the CNBC article that I mentioned at the beginning um, did say that uh, the PIF had invested in Tesla I don't know if it's considered a lot by their standards, but we'll talk about that. And then Lucid Motors, which they're uh, an electric car company, a beautiful car. If you don't know what it is, look up, just Google Lucid Air on, on the internet on Google, and you can see this beautiful car. So um, here's the problem. The Crown Prince was instrumental in making a lot of these deals. He's kind of the face of the fund. And if you go to the website, that's his face is actually on the website for the fund. So what happens if the public disapproval and or mob outrage reaches a level that people are calling for bans of these companies or just publicly shaming them? Um, what would be the correct way for these companies to handle this, the situation? Now, if we start with SoftBank, SoftBank is a huge conglomerate, and I'm sure that it would be easier for them easy for them to just return the money to the PIF. Unfortunately, um, SoftBank has very close ties with the PIF and their partners in in and on some level in the SoftBank Vision Fund. So they have um, roots there. I don't know how deep they are, but they are partners in a fund. Um, recently, they've said that they uh, SoftBank has said that they doubt there'll be a Vision Fund too. I believe the initial Vision Fund was a hundred billion dollars, which to me seems like a lot of money. But to these companies, it may not be that much. I don't know um, in in the grand scheme of things. So um, a little bit of a problem there. They're just kind of intertwined. Next up, Uber. So Uber has had tons of bad press, and it's started pretty much when they became a company in 2009. Um, at first, it was like, oh, look at this company. They're just they're, they're blazing new trails. And then it became, oh, Uber's willing to step on the throat of their competitors, the officials in cities, their customers, and their own employees to get ahead. And that came off very poorly, to say the least. So under uh, they, you know, Travis Kalanick, which was the original CEO, they booted him out, and under uh, their new CEO, Dara, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name because I'll butcher it. Uber is trying to repair those broken relationships, and I'm sure um, Uber has a formulated plan, has already formulated a plan 
to deal with this if the spotlight is turned on them. But I think Uber probably has enough money or can get enough money to pay the PIF back if it came to that. So they're in a they're in a decent spot. Uber. Next up, Tesla. So Tesla's not listing listed on the PIF fund website, but it looks like um the PIF owns a little under 5% of Tesla. So, but here's why I put Tesla in, and it's not because it's the big company that's relevant, it's because Elon really dodged a bullet by failing to get the funding from the PIF to take Tesla private. So despite the fines from the SEC, despite all of the investigations from the SEC and the Department of Justice and all that stuff, and all the negative press from his taking Tesla private tweets, there is one like little golden nugget to take from all of this is that the plan failed and the PIF did not make a deal to to take Tesla private because can you imagine um so the PIF says yeah we'll help you go private they shove a bunch of money into uh, Tesla's account they take the the company private and then 2 weeks later this news is announced um that would and I understand that it would take much longer than a couple of weeks I'm just saying um that would uh that would look very bad on Tesla even if you know they don't know that somebody's going to get murdered but still association you're guilty by association and I'm sure the the stock's not going to take a hit because it would be private but they would rake Elon and Tesla over the coals the press would rake Elon and Tesla over the coals uh for having an, uh, being associated with the PIF and the Crown Prince because the Crown Prince, like I said, he has a lot to do with the PIF and and diversifying um, diversifying where the the money. Huh, I'm going to say this. He has a lot to do with making sure that revenue continues to stream into the the country, even if the whole oil business dries up. And that's kind of what this fund is supposed to be for, uh, to not put all their eggs in one basket. So in in the end, um, it might have cost Elon $40 million. Uh, He might have had an egg on his face. He might have, you know, gone through a ton of stress. But at least he didn't have to go through this. So there's that one golden nugget for Elon and Tesla that... Uh, this didn't become a thing because you know that there are companies out there and one of them is Business Insider, um, who I like. I read Business Insider a lot, but they do have a thing for Elon and Tesla. So finally, that comes to Lucid Motors. So before we talk about it, and actually this will probably be how we talk about it, I want you to imagine that you have a dream and you are working your tush off to achieve that dream. And your dream is to build this beautiful luxury car. You manage to build a prototype, which is a huge milestone. Most people, most, most businesses don't even get to that point. Um, because making beautiful cars is hard. And if you haven't secured enough money, it's really expensive. Um, so you, you, you get this prototype 
and you announce the car to the world, and there's a lot of fanfare and a lot of positive um, press, and some of the press says it's a rival to Tesla or a Tesla killer, which those headlines are dumb. The car is beautiful inside and out. The technology powering the car is cutting edge. The reviews are positive but cautious, and it looks like it's going to be an excellent addition to the EV market. You also announced that you have secured land in Casa Grande, Arizona, and you're going to build this big manufacturing facility for about $300 million. So you take the car on the road, and you try, you start to try the, not the literal road, you take it and tour it around and try to get um, investors excited about your company. So, and during that time, you graciously agree to meet with me and do an interview for my little dumb podcast, which they did, and I'm very um, internally grateful for. And um, so now months go by, and you haven't secured enough money to start your, your building in Start your start building your manufacturing facility. You keep chugging along, showing off the car, but it's looking less and less like you're going to get that funding secured. Um, the high of all that positive press is is starting to wear off, but you manage to give enough interviews and release enough press releases to keep your name out there. But really, by and large, nothing's getting done. Um, that that's going to make the company move forward. So now a year or two goes by. And you found your little financial savior, and the, it's the PIF, and they're going to give you a billion dollars to make your car a reality, and that's huge because, like I said, you only need three hundred million for the factory, according to them, in the a couple of years ago when they announced this. So now you have a healthy runway for success. So you can build your factory, you can have some missteps, but you have a healthy runway to build this car. And you're not going to worry about money so much. You might worry about it a little bit, but you're not going to worry about it so much with that billion dollars in the bank. So you announce this. It's a done deal. Everybody's happy for you. And a few weeks later, someone closely tied to your funding is accused of a gruesome murder or ordering a gruesome murder. What do you do? Um, you're a small company, relatively unknown. No one's really looking to take you down in some sort of you know crazy expose um, like they would with Tesla or some other big company. The people of Saudi Arabia aren't, aren't involved and shouldn't be punished for one person's alleged misdeeds, no matter how heinous. But you really want this money. Nobody else was giving you this money. Um, you know, the PIF is giving you this money. So what do you do? Do you give it back? Do you keep it? Do you keep it and distance yourself from Saudi Arabia? Do you just embrace it and like, yeah, these guys gave us money. I know what's going on there and I don't doubt it, but I'm going to keep the money anyway. Or do you do something else entirely? I don't have these answers. Um, if it were me and granted, no one's ever offered me a billion dollars, but if it were me, I'd, I would really like to say that I would give the money back. However, if I'm being honest with myself, I would find a million reasons why I should keep the money and not give it back. And I'm sure anybody that's dealing with this company or anybody put in their situation would probably do the same because the money's not dirty, but it, there is a layer or two layers of dirt on it. 
So it's not, it's not dirty. It's dirty adjacent. So I don't know in, in some way or another, um, the PIF, uh, reaches hundreds if not thousands of companies that we don't even know about and use on a daily basis and in no way am i trying to be a hypocrite because i would be a hypocrite if i said um it's bad for lucid motors to um buy this or uh, take this money from the pif and then it turns out you know whatever the nails that i buy for my nail gun happen to be do I sound manly when I say that? Because I only use a nail gun every now and again. That's the only example I could give. The nails that I use to buy a nail gun have something to do with the PIF. And uh, I'm just as culpable. Not on a billion dollar level, but culpable. So I don't know. What would you do? And that's really what I want to know. What are your thoughts? Um, I feel like this is important to talk about in a non-judgy way. Um, but I feel like it's really important to talk about because... As uh, these, as these, uh, as we enter and in a new generation of kind of global, um, I don't want to say financing, but it's easier to 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 do deals in different countries. It's easier. Like I talk to at least once or twice a week. I talk to people in in Canada, Sacramento, um, England. Um, you know, there's not, it's not, uh, Australia. It's pretty easy to communicate with people around the world now. So what happens? Let's say Turkey, for instance, which, um, or Syria, and they clean up their stuff and they create a fund and they start investing in these companies. Well, they've done some terrible things. The leadership in Turkey has done some terrible things. The leadership in Syria has done some terrible things. What happens is these funds, these companies, or not companies, countries start building these funds because they see what Saudi Arabia is doing and it's working for them. What happens uh, to the companies that are taking that money? Is it bad? Is it okay? Is it not? And I understand that that is a very far-fetched um, example, but I think we're going to see more and more of that kind of thing as uh as countries and groups and, and, um, just everyday people, you know, uh, how am I going to say this? We're going to see more and more of that as, man, I had a good way to end this and I'm screwing it up. We're just going to see more of it. We're going to see more of it as, as if the Saudis are successful, which it looks like they have, they have a very nice portfolio. We're going to see more com- countries, more groups within those countries that may or may not have altruistic uh, intentions investing in companies. And if those groups happen to be less than savory um, and people take their money, what's going to happen? That's that's really what I'm saying. And I'm sorry, I kind of fluffed on the the end there but um, I just wanted to pose that question to you what are your thoughts so if you want to uh, give me your thoughts you can hit me up on twitter my twitter handle is at 918 digital or you can email me it's bodie b-o-d-i-e at 918digital.com I really hope you guys enjoyed the show today I worked extra long on it um, probably four hours so Hope it showed, 
And I want to thank everybody for listening. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. And I will talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.